Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Gathering the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. This is season two, episode two, and we're going to be discussing a wide range of topics from transfers, news surrounding the club and much more. I'm sure you're very much aware now who I am and who Mark is, but we're very happy to announce that someone you may know has joined us over here at Under a Gaslit Lamp, and that's Andy Bates, formerly of 7500 to Halt. He'll be featuring as a contributor and will join in on podcast as well. Andy, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Well, thanks very much for having me. Um, it's 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 great to uh, to join in. I've, I've followed the 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 blog and obviously the podcast for for a long time. I'm I'm, I'm really happy. Um, to be here. I'm a lifelong Villa fan. Absolutely love the club, love going to the to the ground, sitting the whole end. Um and I just can't wait to uh to get into it with you guys and you know, have a good chat. Yeah, we can't wait to have you uh involved regularly as well. Um, just before we do get into the stuff, we'd like to extend a little thank you to those who may have ordered our uh, limited edition Jack Grealish pins, which we made available this past week. Obviously, we're always looking for ways to enhance our brand, but that ultimately means we need to bring in funds. Uh, you know, we sold out a very limited run of those, and if you have any ideas on how we can improve our like, merchandising and things like that in the future, don't hesitate to re- re- reach out and share your ideas with us. You know, we want to supply you with things that you ultimately want. So any and all suggestions, you know, we're always a message away. Before we do get into the transfer stuff, as always, I will introduce myself and Mark as usual. I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FineFoy, and Mark is also with us. What's going on, everybody? Very, very warm welcome to Mr. Andy Bates. We've chatted back and forth for, it seems like, years now, Andy. But, uh, yeah, man, it's great to have you on the podcast. Really excited to have you as a contributor. Always respected your work over at 7500 to Holt. So this is this is a really cool thing to, to bring you over to the team. But, um, yeah, we got we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, I think since the last time we talked, we didn't even have Matty Cash in the door yet. But we had a really big signing today. Yes, we did. The big news of the day is that Ollie Watkins has finally signed for Villa from Brentford for a £28 million initial fee. You know, we've talked about it, everyone's really talked about it, and everyone's kind of heard everything there is to know about Watkins. 26 goals in the Championship last season, and it looks to be someone that Dean Smith will get a lot of use out of. Um, but first of all, you know, Andy, how excited are you with the signing? I think it's a really top signing, to be honest. Um what I'm really, really happy about is the fact that this seems to be Dean Smith's number one target. Um, and I remember sort of last year, I felt the same about about the Tyrone Ming signing. This was the guy we wanted. Um, and yeah, maybe, you know, it's a, it's a big fee, but you've got to get those, those main targets in because otherwise you're just scrapping around, uh, making compromises and you know that's not how how you move forward really so i'm really pleased he, he just looks like a you know a, a obviously a, a, a quite a um a, a versatile player 
you know, he's played out in the wide positions last season, predominantly playing up front. Um, you know, there was no transition at all between Neil Morpay, who scored 26, 27 goals the year before, and then Ollie Watkins last year, similar amount. Um, and you know, the, 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 the Brentford fans love him. And he's ready, isn't he? He's ready to step up to the to the Premier League, and I'm I'm really really looking forward to to seeing him play um, wherever he plays in the team for for Villa. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Watkins too. I think it's one of those things where I, it, I definitely think he was the number one target for Dean Smith, just knowing Dean. And you know, this is now the second time that Dean Smith brought him in during his coaching career. I I, I think a lot of people are questioning whether or not. You know, the price tag was actually worth the player, but I, I think that comes from an old world mindset of years ago when a lot of teams in the Premier League used to instill the two striker system. Um, so there was a lot more strikers available. So now I think that having a striker in the championship, 26 goals, it's no disrespect to Brentford. I, I just don't think they're on the same level as Villa. I don't think it's too, too crazy to say that. So I think that he's ready for the step up in his career. He's going to come to the Premier League. I'm not sure like what, what we're going to, you know, us as a fan base, us as Villa supporters, what kind of like benchmark we're going to put like, oh, it's, it's a successful signing if he scores 15 goals. You know, for me, I'm thinking it's probably going to be in the like the 12 to 13 range if, he, if he's going to kick off. But, you know, all the stats digging that I've done, all the footage I've watched, I have watched him in live games. I really think that this is the time for Ollie Watkins to make the leap to the Premier League. Uh, Regan, are you, you having any type of problems with the, uh, with the fee attached to it or some of the criticisms we're seeing from other supporters from other clubs in the Premier League? Well, obviously, it's, it's our record. So, in there we paid 22 million for for Wesley last season and we've absolutely smashed that this season with 28 million as a base fee for for Watkins uh you know Brentford were holding out for that kind of fee for Watkins and it's easy to see why with what he brings to a team you know I've seen a lot of talk about his kind of uh, psychological or physiological positional awareness and he he kind of just knows where to be um at the right time and, and you know what kind of spaces he should look to exploit for me you know it's it is a it is a risk spending so much money on on a championship striker but i would much rather spend that money on on Watkins than what Leeds have done for example with Rodrigo you know yes he's a Spain international yes he's experienced in in the Champions League and and things like that but you, you only have to look at you know Wesley and uh, Mabuana Samata to to see that scoring in the Champions League doesn't necessarily mean everything um you know for me it's 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 money better spent than Leeds have spent on Rodrigo just because of the difference in age first and foremost you know i think Rodrigo is he's in his prime at the moment but four four goals last season i think it was doesn't fill me with hope for their kind of striking exploits um you know, you mentioned 12 to 13 goals. I'd be happy with 10, I think. You know, if we can get people pitching in with goals from other positions, maybe goals from Jack, uh, McGinn. You've got the likes of Trez, El Ghazi, and potentially another winger to come in the door. So, generally, it's 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 not that bad. Um, obviously, I mentioned Samata earlier. There's been news that he may be out of the door sooner rather than later with Besiktas looming. I did see things about that it would likely be a loan 
deal initially, there may be an option to buy, depending on on you know how he performed and whatnot. But um, you know there, there was some Turkish football experts speaking about how you know the Turkish league is good for the development of a player, but generally it, it's not a great league for you know players to move to on permanent transfers just because of the kind of financial difficulties that that league and a lot of the clubs are in. What are your thoughts on Samata's kind of progress over the last, let's say, eight eight or so months at Villa and whether he has a role to play in this upcoming season, Mark? I'm not sure if he really has a role. And listen, like, I, I know that – I know it's it's still a very, very short amount of time that he's been in England. Um, you know, that that's it's a different culture shock and you're learning things and trying to become comfortable not only for you but also with your family. I'm not sure. I'm not privy to – if Samada's got family that's staying with him or how it's all going, especially in the modern times that we live in. Um, I do think a loan would probably be beneficial to him. I, I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't think Villa's done in the striking position just yet. I could see Keenan Davis going out on loan. I can see Samada going on on loan, but then, you know, you're going to have to bring in strikers and all that sort of thing. So there is business yet to be done. We, we still have time. It's not a panicky thing. Um, I want Samada to come through good for Villa. And I think, you know, he has the ability to do that. It's just, uh, I think it's kind of just the, the shock of through project restart, he looked very ineffectual. And even maybe before that, a little bit before the season actually halted, he looked a little ineffectual. Uh, Andy, do you think that maybe Samada is just suffering from a little bit of a confidence issue or, or do you think that he, he's going to be on, on loan and then we're going to try to find a better suitor for him? Well, I'm not sure whether it's a confidence issue as so much with Samata. I feel a little bit like um, obviously he had a. It was a big move for him to come over to the Premier League. Um, there were a lot of bells and whistles, and obviously um, his his compatriots back home in in Tanzania were absolutely swinging from the chandeliers, if that if that's the term to use, um, to have him to have him you know joining a Premier League team. He scored in the cup final, which was which was tremendous. But um, I don't know if it's confidence as such, but I just imagine having all that excitement of, of making that move and then after only a few weeks, really, for everything to stop and for him to suddenly be stuck, probably, possibly on his own in a, in a new country, you know, and not not being able to, um, you know, to to meet his teammates or to, to to really do anything, it must have been incredibly tough for him, um, and that's perhaps hadn't had a bit of an impact on them when they have he has come back. Perhaps he's felt very out of sorts and very um, found it difficult to, to to kind of hit the ground running and restart then. But also Villa, let's not forget, changed change tack a little bit with how they were playing which they had to do um, you know and we weren't anywhere near as effective going forward and that may be just that that lack of um, you know a delivery to him and, 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 and playing the ball into him perhaps perhaps didn't suit him you know um, but he certainly found it difficult and you know it's it's led to questions about whether he's He's really suited to the Premier League, and, and you know, and perhaps perhaps a, a move away would would be beneficial for for him, and you know, and obviously for for Villa, if then they can they can perhaps get another striker in who's who's more likely to do the job. Yeah, and one of the names that's um, another name, sorry, that's been linked with Villa has been Josh King, and I think should he arrive, 
that would probably spell the end for for probably Samata or maybe even Keenan Davis. We might see Davis uh, leave on a loan deal, but you know, Samata. There was this massive hype around him when he joined um, because of his heading ability, and we we just haven't seen that in in spades really at all in his Villa career. We've seen you know the, the diving bullet header against Manchester City in the Carabao Cup final, and that's really probably about it um, for Samata's kind of heading prowess. For me, you know, if if Josh King from Bournemouth does come in. You've you've got to think: Is he going to play up front or is he going to play at the wing first and foremost? If 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 Dean Smith sticks with his kind of tried and tested four three three, you know you, you you kind of put that into perspective and you look and see, let's say Watkins up front, Grealish is always going to be playing on the left, um, unless obviously there's a, a kind of formation change that they've been working on, and then you've got potentially Trezeguet, El Ghazi, and. Uh, Josh King then fighting for the the right wing position. For me, you know, if if Josh King was coming in as a forward, uh, an out and out striker, you would probably see Samata leave or at least probably not regularly make the match day squad once Wesley returns from injury. You know, uh, the, whether or not King brings more or less to the striking position than Davis and Samata is is a is a big question. You know, he. He was involved in 10 goals last season. He scored six and assisted four. But if you look at his overall kind of uh, Premier League experience and Premier League goal scoring record, a lot of his goals have come from the penalty spot. Do you think that King's more of a, a striking option or, or a winging, uh, a winging, a winger option, Andy? Well, I think I think it's interesting because I've had this I've had this debate with a few people about the formation, and I think. I think the idea of playing with wingers um, is is probably that's probably not what we're what we're going to be doing. What we're going to be seeing, it's more of a narrower front three with more with a striker perhaps, but inside forwards, and these guys can can rotate and and you know work as a unit. Whereas it's kind of playing with with wingers is more something I I perhaps associate with a with a four four two. Um, I know what you mean. It's sort of those wider positions, um, but Josh King is well capable of of doing that in the Premier League. He's you know he's done it in the Premier League for for Bournemouth for for a good few years now, um, and been very effective. And he likes you know he do, he does have an eye for a goal as well. You know he's he's he is he is a player. I hadn't really thought of. Of him as such as being an option, but he is a player that that I'd like to see there, um, just from an experience point of view. Um, he's got a bit of pace as well. He's he's quite a tricky player, and he you know and he likes a goal, and he can play probably anywhere across that that front three. I mean, you know, if you look at it, I know what you mean about the kind of inside forwards. The way that I could see it working is almost like if we had Jack on the left and, let's say, Trezeguet on the right, we'd be playing them not as, you know, a left winger and a right winger, more as, like, uh, wide cams. Um, And then, you know, for me, you can then fit Watkins and King into the same squad and have, um, you know, let's say, uh, King as an out-and-out centre-forward and maybe... Uh, Watkins almost shadowing him, like just behind him, uh, almost almost like a, a more advanced uh, central attacking midfielder. Um, 
and then you know f- from from like moving down to that then you can have McGinn and Louise as the more the more robust holding midfielders um but you know King does excite me. It is it is an older option that doesn't quite fit into our uh, our transfer plans, uh, as it were. But you know, the last time we had a Norwegian forward at the club, you know, he be- he went on to become an uh, almost a club icon. You know, what are your thoughts on King Mark? I think that it, it, the more players you can bring in to this squad, with how Villa have just finished the season previously with seventeenth last day of the season, the drama, knowing that you know the defense wasn't great knowing that our attacking options you know the service in the final third was it was piss poor and I you know I, I, I hate to be that critical about it but it really was so to have players to come in and be I guess like a Swiss army knife of sorts that they can do multiple different things will only benefit this club going forward now we're, we're still in the baby steps of trying to become an established Premier League team so it's going to have to be something where you know you try some different things you might experiment a little more than, than you generally would if you were established I think bringing King in is definitely good for depth option for me I still want to see what Wesley does when he comes back from injury I'm not saying that you just shove him right back he's your number one as soon as he comes back but I would like to see him get you know more time than if you are bringing in someone like a Joshua King it's just my opinion I know a lot of people think that Wes is just done or they think that the knee injury is going to affect him in such a negative way that's not always the case with that specific knee injury that he's had sometimes you are able to strengthen and rehab to a point where you can get back to you know how you are and how you play and how you like to play on the flip side of that sometimes it makes you re-diagnose how you play as an or how you are as an athlete how you run different cuts it makes you think about things a little bit different it's not always a negative thing there can be positives that come out of a you know pretty gruesome injury like he's had so I'd like to see Wesley get his shot um you know I know I know that he had it in the beginning of last season a lot of people weren't happy with him but you know it's it's kind of just it's just really unfortunate to me still that he seemed like he was really coming into at least a semi-decent run of form for what he showed previously and then he gets injured the way he did so um I think Josh King would be great for a depth option but then again like you said that pushes Samada or Davis or possibly even both out of the door yeah I mean if you look at it it can't be a negative thing that we've we're going to have three, let's say, strikers that can score goals at the club. Wesley, King, and and Watkins. You know, you, you can't kind of turn your nose up at that because scoring goals was, you know, granted we scored a fair number of goals more than more than a lot of sides last season, but. You know, towards the the end of the season after Project Restart, it was something that we we struggled with a little bit more. Um, you know, to have a a striker that will be in the starting eleven and be able to score goals is a great thing. But to have that option from the bench as well, you know, we've seen that Wesley is capable of scoring goals in this league. Uh, obviously, we don't know that about Watkins, and if King was to join, he's you know a viable option for a goal scorer. So it is it is something that we can be quite happy about. I think if we if we looked at that as. Uh, our kind of forward transfer business for the summer, but let's let's kind of roll it back a little bit in time. Um, Villa's first signing of the summer was Matty Cash, who signed from Nottingham Forest for a supposed fourteen million pound fee that would rise to sixteen million with add-ons. You know, Villa supporters have been crying out for a little bit more depth in defence after some of the defensive shortcomings before Project Restart last season, and all signs point towards Cash's ability to kind of help out in that area of the pitch. What do you think about Matty Cash stepping into the fold at Villa, Mark? 
I absolutely love it, man. I think this is the, exactly the kind of signing that Villa needs to make. Um, I know that right back position probably wasn't a position where a lot of supporters thought like, hey, we need some help there. You know, especially with Frederick Gilbert, he seemed to, you know, get better as time went on when he was healthy. You know, Ahmed Al-Mohamed, he's still here. I love Elmo. I think he brings a lot, but I think we are approaching the time where Elmo is not going to be as relied upon or looked upon as much as he has been in the past. Again, that's one of the Swiss Army Knife players I talk about. We've seen Elmo be able to play it right back and be be able to play further up the pitch when needed, especially if it's like an emergency or, you know, you're trying to close the game out a little bit. We know what Elmo brings with crossing. Matty Cash is going to be someone who I can definitely see, you know, take the right back position on his own. Um, it's the verdict still out. Dean might use him up the pitch a little bit. He might use him as a right attacking midfielder, but that remains to be seen. We're still a ways away from figuring that out. But as far as Matty Cash last season at Nottingham Forest, I know it's the championship. The three goals and five assists that he made is amazing. You know, through all the the minutes he played at Forest, the 4,134 minutes, he actually had an expected goal of, of 1.47 for the entire season. I know XG is not a very, very fancy stat. A lot of people shy away from it, but it is a stat that's important in the modern game of football. He also had a 72% passing accuracy, so you're getting a high rate of passes from the right back position there as well. I don't think that Gilbert's gone or looking out there. We'll talk about that in a little bit here, but I do think it's a wonderful addition to the team. Uh, Andy, do you think that maybe he actually this, this is healthy competition? We Talk, we've heard Dean Smith in the past talk about healthy places for competition. You're going to need to bring in players. Does, does Maddie Cash fit that fold? I absolutely agree. You know, well, agree with everything you've said, and absolutely, he's a he's a he's a really strong addition um, to the to the squad. And again, for the reasons you said, you know, he's 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 probably more versatile than we think we we think he is. I mean, in terms of how I see how I see it is. He's, he would he will definitely be coming in as the first choice right back, um, and certainly um, that is the case when we're playing it. Certainly, a team that we're going to attack. So playing at home, you know, I was talking earlier about the the front three and the the, the narrow nature of that front three. What that depends on is having two, you know, fullbacks that can that can can work up and down the line and overlap. And are very very good um, in forward areas, and, and you know, and, and get down the, the line and get crosses in. Um, we have two now um, that are more than capable of of doing that. Obviously, obviously, Matty Cash has got a it's a big step up to the Premier League, so you know, it's not a nailed on um, uh, signing, but he he is. He's got all the attributes to play in that kind of that 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 Dean Smith style that he is trying to cultivate at the club. So I'm I'm really happy with it. Um, you know, like so we'll talk about Gilbert perhaps a bit later, but you know he's he's for me. I felt we needed a right back. <laughs> I know not a lot of people did, but I felt we did. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm pleased I'm pleased it's him. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm very happy with it. You know, in, in in my opinion, he is literally the almost like for like replacement for El Mahamedi. You know, El Mahamedi's still got a year remaining on his contract. We we extended it last season for another year, um, but I think you know there's going to be no chance that we we kind of renew that at the end of this season. So this this is likely to be El Mahamedi's swan song. But you know, Cash at, at twenty three. He's almost a like for like replacement. He can play at right back. He can play further up the fit up the up the pitch at right wing. He can also play in centre mid if you need him to. Um, but you know, for for me, 
if you look at the kind of style of play and the, the defensive ability and things like that, he's he's pretty much a, a nailed-on replacement for El Mahamedi. And I think we'll see much less of El Mahamedi, who's only, I think, one appearance away from his 100th appearance at the club. You know, he's been a great servant for both, you know, Dean Smith and Steve Bruce. I'm very surprised that Steve Bruce hasn't come back in for him at Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think he's... He's going to have his swan song at Villa this season. We'll probably get probably less than 10 appearances from him this season, um, unless there's you know major injuries at right back. But for me, it, it, it's a smart move from, from Dean and, and the kind of transfer staff because it's a player that we do need to replace. It's, it's almost like, I don't know, looking at... Uh, Looking at centre back last season, you know we knew that James Chester probably wouldn't be able to to make the step back up to the Premier League following his injury. So we invested quite heavily at centre back, um, and for me, it's one of those places that we kind of need to kind of push someone out of the squad a little bit whilst keeping them around the club. Obviously, Elmo's a, a, been a great servant, and he's great to have in the dressing room. You know, players speak very highly of him. Uh, but if we move on to to Fred Gilbert, you know he put to bed the rumours of of him wanting to leave or or um, almost like D- Dean wanting to push him out. You know, obviously we don't know the the kind of coaching staff's thoughts on Gilbert or anything like that. But um, French sporting news outlet Le Quip was uh, reporting that Gilbert had wanted a swift exit from B6 after Matty Cash was brought in, saying that he was feeling homesick and things like that. But, you know, he put to bed those rumours with an Instagram uh, story post, basically saying he loves the club, country, and he's not homesick. Um, you know, I, I'm happy that Gilbert wants to stay personally. He was initially acquired for life in the Championship, but as a more defensive option, he's he's stellar. You know, if, if we want to play cash against, let's say, Fulham at home, we can play Gilbert at uh, Arsenal at home. You know, it, it's... It's great to have the two kind of different styles of right back, and I think we need to kind of echo that by signing a similar left back to complement Matty Target. I think you're right. I mean, I I like the fact that Gilbert's staying. Um, when this report first broke about Gilbert wanting to leave, it was literally like the only thing that I could find from the like Equip website over in France was just 50 words. It was just 50 words saying that Frederick Gilbert was going to leave the club. There wasn't any journalist's name on it. It might have changed now, but that that was all it was. I'm thinking to myself, like, this is just an easy link to make. This is someone just noticing that, you know, where are the French players, you know, in the, in the world? Who are they playing? Did they just have someone bring in, you know, and is there a chance that this French player might be, you know, coming back home? I think it was a really easy and slop, sloppy link to make. Um, I, I don't know. Fred just always looked like he was really happy here, um, you know, on the pitch off the pitch even when he was injured and we'd see you know pictures being him you know snapped on the sidelines or going through light drills or things like that he just always looks like he's having a good time I like Frederick Gobert as a player as well um, it may speak more to the style of football that, that I enjoy but I, I like obnoxious kind of a brace of physical players I think every team needs two or three of those kind of players that aren't afraid to put a foot in we know we know Freddie loves a slide tackle you know we, we know that he's an enthusiastic guy when he does get a chance to play on the pitch so I, I'm really happy that 
he was brought in be- or that he's staying because he was brought in to play in the championship. We all know that it's not a secret. Um, you know, with the arrival of Matty Cash, like you said, Regan, we could see you know Matty Cash playing forward and Gilbert playing behind him as, as a you know concrete right back. So I mean, there, there's there's a lot of things that are going to change between now and the, you know the delayed beginning of Villa season. But like, I'm I'm really happy Gilbert staying. I'm, I'm sure we did need a right back. Or, you know at when you really think about it, we probably did some competition for places there. Again, Elmo is a consummate professional. He's great in the locker room. He's very well respected. You know, you need a guy like that, not only just on the pitch or as a, as a substitute capacity, but also in training to make sure these younger players are doing the best they can, joke around with them, keep it light, you know, keep it competitive, have some fun while, while you're, you know, playing football. It's it, it's supposed to be a happy thing. It's not supposed to be something that's, that's serious all the time. You need to lighten up a little bit. It definitely seems like Elmo has the capacity to do that. Andy, are you thinking Thinking that um you know with with Gilbert staying, I I know you're you're pretty happy about the fact that he uh, he backed the rumors off. Yeah, I mean I I, I suppose I'm, I'm I'm slightly different um, regarding Gilbert. Um, I I don't having having watched him during the season, I'm not entirely convinced that he's he's up to the, the Premier League standard for what you what you're asking a right back to do I think he has all the attributes and like you say you know I'm a bit like you I love his I love his passion I love his energy um his commitment um you know we've seen that on on plenty of occasions I I worry about his defensive positioning um I think he he does make a lot of those almost last ditch challenges and that's not always a good sign when it comes to um, defensive positioning. I don't see Almo doing that an awful lot. I think Almo reads the game probably quite a bit better. He's a bit more experienced at this level. Um, having said that, I mean when I when I when I heard the the story like 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 you said about him him perhaps being homesick and wanting to go back to France, I thought, well, you know, fair enough. He's you know he's he's perhaps not going to play as much as he he wants this season. Um, and if we can get what we paid for him, then he would. I, I wouldn't necessarily have an issue with him going. But I do like players that show commitment and and say that they want to stay. I, I like that in a player. Um, you know, we're quite often um, critical of players um, being, I don't know, mercenaries or you know, or or um, not very loyal. And I really like it when you get a player that that has clearly taken the club to his heart um, and wants to fight for his place. So I'm a bit in two minds. I like I kind of like him. Um, I'd like him to be a bit better. Um, and I was thinking, I mean, my perfect scenario if he was to go would would be for him to go on loan in this country somewhere in the Championship, play you know loads of games. You know, get really um, in tune with English football, you know, and and come back essentially to replace Elmo in the squad next year when Elmo gets released. I think that that would make sense to me. Um, I don't think he's going to improve much by by kind of sitting around the fringes of the squad at, at Villa. Um, but like I say, I'm happy for him to stay if that's what he wants to do, and you know, he's he's no trouble or. Um, causes no problems to the management, so that's 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 good from my point of view. I mean, with with Gilbert, it's not the first time we've kind of 
you know, seen or heard rumours of, of him not enjoying his time at the club or, or things like that. You know, there was reports, um, I think just before lockdown, that, you know, he was saying that he, he wasn't really enjoying it because, um, you know, he couldn't speak as strong English as he would have liked and because, uh, you know, there were almost like clicks in the dressing room so he didn't feel welcome. But he he came on onto his social media again and, and turned around and said, you know, this is a load of balls, basically. I, you know, I'm friends with everyone. Everyone's so lovely. Everyone's so welcoming. Um, and I think, you know, there's been a lot of rumours of, of players almost on the fringes of the squad to to potentially leave this summer. Um, and I don't think the club would be happy to do that, you know, to have spent, for example, on, on Marvellous Nakamba, uh, who's another name that's been mentioned. Um... And then, and then, kind of cashing on him a year later. I think you know th- these players have been brought in to develop for a reason, and I think you've got to give them at least two seasons at the club before you kind of decide to cut ties with them. I think you know if you if you're selling a player after a season, you're not going to make anywhere near as much money as you would to like a season after that kind of thing. You know, if you've brought in as an example, Nakamba again for fourteen million. And then you're selling him for the next season. A lot of clubs are going to go, well, why is he being sold? Is he not good enough? What's wrong with him? Is he a bad egg in the dressing room? Blah, blah, blah. And they're going to come in with offers of 6 million, 7 million, 8 million. And then you're losing money on these players that you've invested money and time in. You know, you give them another season at the club, albeit perhaps as a, as a squad player. And then you're, you know, potentially getting a breakout season from that player or you're going okay it's not going to work we'll take the six seven eight million um that that we're getting going to get offered for him and we'll take the loss on this player but you know really for me we need these kind of players in the squad you know nakamba as an example again provides healthy competition for douglas louise who obviously came into his own post lockdown but there's every chance he could get an injury. There's every chance that he he could fall out of form. And then that that's Nakamba's spot to take. The same with, for example, Concer at centre-back. You could have Engels coming in, who's another name that's been linked with a move away. Granted, we've not seen as much of Engels as we'd have liked because of injuries and things like that. But for all of these kind of players that are on the fringes of, of the squad, especially since um, the restart and coming into this new season... You've got to give them more time, and I think it's a very easy kind of spin to take for some of these journalists to just literally turn around and say, oh, they're sitting on the fringes, so we're willing to get them off our books. Um, if we move on from that a little bit, we've got some great news that everyone is is absolutely thrilled about, and that's Villa captain Jack Grealish finally making his England debut. He made his debut for England against Denmark, uh, coming on for 14 minutes as a sub. I think he replaced Calvin Phillips and and was immediately kind of swapping and changing between the left wing and right wing. Um, And it seemed like he kind of knew he had limited time to show what he can bring. You know, he showed his desire to run at the opposition with the ball at his feet. And that's, you know, it's exactly what he was trying to do. Uh, You know, there's been the odd thing about Southgate not perhaps rating him not perhaps liking him very much especially you know after the game in terms of interviews and stuff he's almost seems happy to speak about other players rather than Grealish but uh, I'd like to ask you both I'll come to you first Mark what did you make of Jack's debut and do you think you know 
obviously the, the season ahead is going to play a massive part in it, but do you think he perhaps did enough to get a call back in October for, for, for Nations League games? First of all, am I allowed to, to critique the England team? Is that, yes. is, that, is that something I'm allowed to do as, as, as an yes. American that was never, I've never even stepped foot in the UK yet? Everyone else does, Mark. Okay, I'm just making sure. I don't want to upset anybody. <laughs> I, 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 want, I want to keep my eyes on my own yard and, you know, make sure my garden's kept. You know, we all know how the United <laughs> States men's national team is. We're not great, but we're, we're getting there. We got, we got some players. But as far as yeah. Jack and his debut, I'm so, so happy for him. He finally got to this point. It's a lifelong dream coming to fruition. You can tell by the look on his face, even when he was on the pitch and, you know, he, he was switched on. We've all seen that look on Jack before, but it's such a, such an amazing moment for him and his family. Um, I'm sure he probably will get a, get a call back in October again. Like Regan said, it's going to be something where it, it depends on the form, obviously, and we don't know what's going to happen with injuries, with other players and things like that. But I'm absolutely delighted for him. I can't wrap my head around the fact of why Southgate wouldn't use him as a creative outlet. They just looked very flat to me um, throughout the two games. Uh, I just think with the amount of talent that's in that country as far as football goes, you would want someone who's not afraid to run it opposing uh, defenses with the ball with their feet. Uh, I don't know. I, I know that's that's talked about. It's a hot button issue, but I just I don't know. England looked a different a different team to me whenever Jack came on that pitch. Yeah, I think I, I, like like you, Mark. I'm absolutely delighted. I mean, you know, we've had in my lifetime probably now two two Birmingham born Aston Villa fans, uh, academy graduates. Um, before Jack that have that have um, made the England squad, Lee Hendry and Doris Vassell. And it's great. I mean it's 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 brilliant for the area and, and, and for the club. In Jack's case, it just feels like it's been so long coming. I mean he declared for England a good few years ago, probably when we were still before we got relegated, um even. I'm not not sure about that. And he it just feels like he's had to work so much harder than on on all aspects of his his life and his character and his game and his fitness, you know, to get that recognition um, from Southgate, it's really really strange that he's had to do that. And maybe Southgate is pushing him a little bit and seeing how he reacts, or maybe Southgate just doesn't fancy him in his 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 style of play and the way he wants to set the England team up, which I find bizarre but you know that's uh, that's his prerogative as as England manager I always say with with managers you know if they're going to succeed or fail they have to do it in their way and 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 with their players and uh, and that sort of thing and Southgate is certainly doing that but it does seem a little bit a little bit of a you know an issue with him he doesn't he doesn't quite know you know where to where to fit him in, perhaps, or how to play him, or how to get the best out of him. Um, you know, which we've had before with England players, very very talented um, England players um, have been left out because they don't fit the system. Um, so so maybe Jack's falling into that. Um, I, I do think he'd have a, a, a much better chance of, of of playing for England if he does occupy the. The kind of number eight position in the in the Villa team because um, England's midfield is is devoid of any spark or creativity whatsoever. So 
Um, I think if he plays for Villa in that position and does well, um, that would give him a better opportunity. Because with the best will in the world, he is he is up against Sterling and Rashford and um, now Greenwood as well. Um, amongst others, you know, for, for that kind of left-sided attacking spot, which um, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a big ask for him, isn't it? Um, but yeah, delighted he's, he's in the squad. I think he will get a callback in October. Um, there's three games in October, I believe, and I think he will get a callback. Um, and I think, you know, just just to see him and to hear him after the game as well. Uh, I don't know about you guys, I, I watched the interview with him um, straight after the game and he just seemed so level-headed and the way he spoke about Foden and Greenwood, like he was the old man, you know, I've been there and done that, um, you know, and sort of sticking up from, for them a little bit, which I, I thought was, you know, which was which was good and showed good leadership um, in that scenario as well. So, yeah, I was absolutely delighted um, for him and, you know, Obviously, we just have to wait and see if he stays as well, which I think he will now. But yeah, I mean, there's been there's been little signs that he's going to going to stay. Um, you know, he turned up to the the first England training session that he was kind of called up for in his uh, Aston Villa tracksuit. You know, <laughs> it's, if that's not a sign, then then I don't know what is. But as well that as that, super. as well as that, he 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 kind of. Um, followed in the footsteps of, of, of David Platt and Lee Hendry and he made his debut wearing the number 17 shirt for England and that has been worn by both Hendry and Platt uh, in the past and it's almost kind of a, a nice little homage to, to you know Hendry especially being you know a local lad and, and, and making his way into the England team but let's just hope he doesn't replicate Hendry's uh, Hendry's look with the England squad, and hopefully gets more call-ups. Yeah. Um, yeah. McGinn, Neeland, and Hurrahane also featured uh, internationally for their respective nations during these games. I know McGinn was on the bench for uh, for Scotland's second Nations League game, but. You know, it's good to have these international level players in the squad, and it's good to see you know other players getting call ups. Obviously, Wesley and Douglas Louise received call ups last season uh, to the Brazilian national side, and I, I, I can't help but think we'll we'll probably get a few more this season. Perhaps even Ollie Watkins. Um, moving back onto the kind of transfer news, there's been a bit of news that came on out tonight, and that's about uh, Milo Rashica. Me and Mark in the last podcast dedicated a lot of time into kind of talking about Rashica and whether he'll be a Villa player by the end of the summer and, and whether we think it's a load of kind of, kind of cock, basically. Um, you know, he's, he's supposedly come out and changed his mind on a move outside of Germany, likely because RB Leipzig have turned around and said that they're not going to pay the €25 million Euros for him. Um, according to a Deichstube, Rashica could be available for 25 million euros, and Villa is still considered to be in the running to bring the winger to the Premier League. You know, now more than ever, there's kind of a, a tangible willingness for Rashica to join, but I can't help but feel like it's still not going to happen. Would you want him through the door, Andy, or do you think it's still a bit too unbelievable of a transfer? I, I have to say, he's not. A, he's not a player that. Um... I know an awful lot about you know I don't I don't necessarily follow the German league but 
obviously he's, he's incredibly highly rated um, across Europe. Um, I think there was talk of Napoli possibly being interested as well, which um, obviously would be a would be a massive move for him as well. Um, I always find it hard to believe, in a way, when when players say that they they perhaps don't want to come to the Premier League or or, or whatever. I think I think. I think most players probably want to play in the Premier League. Um, it's either it's either that or obviously the the big two in Spain. Um, and I think it it was perhaps you know to do with chat more to do with playing in the Champions League, perhaps with with Leipzig. But um, absolutely, I mean, we talked earlier about the need for for attacking players and fast, skillful players, and he certainly looks like one of those. He looks like a player um, who's willing to have you know. To, to sort of drive, drive forward and, and have a go and, you know, score goals and create goals. And, you know, obviously I'm a- absolutely all for that. And, you know, he's someone that's very highly rated. I mean, do we, is, is there anyone, any other English clubs looking at him or is it, is it just us? Yeah. And that, that's the, that's the, you know, question right now is, okay. So let's say that Rashid's is not going to, you know, stay in Germany, say he wants to move abroad, but we, we don't know if there's any other clubs now that he, that interest is quelled down in Germany and he might be not be making a move. Um, maybe other clubs come in. So maybe Villa isn't the only club. Um, you know, I'm not sure, but I, I just, I just still don't see it happening. I think he's at a certain quality that Aston Villa just, we just don't, we, we can't quite get right now. Um, it's, it's not a disrespectful thing. It's just the nature of the beast, how the whole process goes. If he comes through the door at Villa, I'll be, I'll welcome him with open arms. I'll send him fan letters. I'm serious. Cause <laughs> I, th- I think he's a real player. I really, I really do mean that. And I said that in the last podcast, I think he is a very, very talented player. I'm just not sure Villa's the destination for him for where he is in his career right now. It'd be great to see him come here, grow with the club, show what he can do. I, I think he would be a fantastic, fantastic addition. I'm just not sure it's I'm, I'm not sure it's real yet. I don't know if it's agent talk or, you know, just various mm. media outlet talk, things like that. I just I, I can't be sure. Um, again, if he if he joins great, great times. But yeah, I just I, I just can't see it happening. Not not yet. The, the, the fee seems quite low to me for, for a player that that's that's that highly rated. Does, does that make sense? It's kind of is that a, is that a a buyout clause fee or is that is that just what the club value him at i think that's just what he's valued at i think that it might be just his his market value from from what i've seen um i'd have to do some research again but yeah i think i think that he just i don't know if he just wants a move or if he's not happy with where where his current club's been at on, on the league table maybe he sees himself doing more but i mean it, you look at all the different stats about Rashid so even you know it, even the statistics in isolation and you're just like man if, if villa can add somebody like that that, w- that would be absolutely wonderful for me he's not the right kind of personality that we want at the club you know we've heard so much about Watkins and and Cash um and the personalities that they are and the kind of people they are but from what we've seen of, of Rashica in terms of this whole kind of transfer um, move happening or not happening, it seems like he's just not willing to to have that kind of fight in him as well as... I, I don't know what he's like as a, as a person. You know, he could donate, you know, millions to charity every year. You know, he could, he could be an absolutely stellar person. But from what I've heard and read, he's just not the kind of person we should be signing. Um, he, he was at Werder Bremen last year and obviously still remains there at the current time but um, 
They were involved in a relegation battle, and and one thing that was mentioned when when we were linked with him is is that he, he came out and apparently said that he doesn't want to be involved in another relegation battle. You know, he wants to be playing in Europe, and 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 that's why everyone thought he might go to Leipzig. You know, hopefully we're not, but let let's say we're involved in another relegation battle. Is is Rashica going to be unhappy? Is he going to turn around and say, you know, uh, I, I expected bigger things? He, it's it's such a risk in terms of his personality from what I've seen so far that I, I don't necessarily want to take it. And does it also kind of bug you maybe a little bit that you know we're now technically his second choice? You know, that that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a couple of people on on social media saying, "Well, he didn't want to join us. He wanted to go to RB Leipzig." And now that they don't want they don't want to bring him in, uh, now all of a sudden, oh yeah, now I'll go to Villa. Now I'm interested in, poss- you know, a, a, a decent chance of being caught in a relegation scrap. I mean, you know, that's that's one thing about Villa supporters. They don't want to be second or third, you know, choice down the line. They they want players that want to come come to Villa and play and play well for the club and and, and the city. You know. Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 one of those. It's one of those kind of, you know, as Andy said earlier, like the Mavericks. He, he kind of, just just thinking of him joining the club reminds me of Charles and Zogbia for some reason, and uh, <laughs> I just I just don't, I, you know, I'm I'm not going to turn sit here and say I wouldn't be happy to have a player of his caliber join the club. You know, I think it's a it's a sign of intent if we were to sign him, but at the same time, I'm I'm not too sure about his personality. I think there's, there's, you could say a similar thing about someone like Ben Rama as well. You know, um, I don't know. It seems a bit flashy in that respect. A bit like Enzogbier, and you know, undoubtedly a good player. But you know, you know, is he going to dig in for you if you are? You know, you know, thirty games in, you know, and you know, a bit t- bit too close to the relegation zone for for anyone's liking. Is are these the guys that you want? in the trenches with you but you know that's that's a lot to do with management as well and and Dean Smith and Shakespeare and Terry and O'Kelly making sure that the players understand you know what what their responsibility is at the club and um, you know I can't imagine John Terry or Dean Smith putting up with fancy Dan's who aren't willing to you know to, to do the work and do the running and you know I, I kind of have faith in them you know and if they if they okay a transfer like that they're they're, they're happy that you know he is the right sort of character or he, or he can become the right sort of character at the club yeah you mentioned like you know players digging in and stuff and that's that's something that uh, me and Mark talked about many episodes ago in terms of Trezeguet we're saying that he was he was he was trying too hard to be that kind of flashy player, but you know he turned it around and something must have clicked because again like against Arsenal he was literally the standout player. He made I think I think he made the most tackles. I think he he uh, was involved in the most duels. He he won the ball back so much he never stopped running and he obviously scored the winning goal. Um, and obviously he was ever so important to our kind of post restart form so you know perhaps you know you look at Rashid's personality and say or Ben Rama even and say you know maybe not the right fit but you know if, if that something can click and if it is you know Smith Shakespeare Terry O'Kelly getting that to click then then I'm all for it um, obviously we've already mentioned Cash and Watkins coming through the door but it seems like our uh, 
our new sporting director, Johan Langer, isn't quite done yet in the transfer market. You know, there's still a load of links that are coming through. Uh, John Swift is a link that seems to, to not die. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about, about goalkeepers. You know, we were linked very early on via The Athletic uh, to Jasper Sillison, the, the the Dutch goalkeeper. But now it seems like uh, it's Emiliano Martinez from Arsenal and Sergio Romero from Manchester United that are heavily being looked at. You know, both of these are, are great options in my opinion and I, I really don't have... A, a, an issue with either of them coming through the door. You know, Martinez has played more regular Premier League football, but you know, Romero is it has been a more than able deputy to De Gea at United. I think you know either of them could be a great number one, and then you know provide excellent competition for Tom Heat and throughout the rest of the season once he returns from injury. What are your thoughts on on the Martinez or Romero debate, Mark? I, I think they're both fabulous goalkeepers. I think both of can come in and, and do a job for Villa, especially in a number one capacity. Um, it, it's no knock on Tom Heaton. A lot of people are saying, oh, you got to give Heaton the chance coming back from injury. And that's true. But, you know, the, I think these two keepers are better than Tom Heaton in, in, in a few areas. I mean, younger for one. I mean, and we don't know how Tom's going to come back from his injury. Um, and, you know, we, I, I love Tom Heaton since he's come through the door at Villa. I, I think that, you know, he, he brings, you know, a kind of staunch goalkeeping style that we haven't seen with the merry-go-round of goalkeepers we've had in the past couple years and it's no knock on him it's you know it'd be a little hard done for him to recoup from a long-term injury and then just come back as number two but you know I, I'd be completely okay with, with you know Martinez and is it Martinez or Martinez I keep hearing like it four different ways I think Martinez <laughs> is it Martinez see that's I just know a lot of Martinez is over here that's probably what it is but, well, but for Martinez I do think he'd be able to come in as a number one keeper I think it's okay to have Tom Heaton behind him but we've got to figure out to get rid of some of the other I it sounds harsh, but some of the other Deadwood goalkeepers that we have, I mean, we still got to get rid of Kalinich, right? Like, he's still on the books. He's still <laughs> still being paid from Aston Villa Football Club, but we have no idea what he's actually doing. Uh, what, what about you, Andy? Do, do you have a preference if, if Villa bring in, the, you know, the Martinez or the Ramiro? No real preference. I think I think Martinez, like Regan said, has been um, very much more involved in the, in the Premier League. I'd be absolutely amazed if Arsenal agreed to sell him, I have to say. Um, and I think he it would go down a little bit like the Diangana uh, transfer last week um, with the Arsenal fans. I think I, you know I think they feel that he could easily be their number one um, goalkeeper. But obviously they're they're perhaps in a position where they can't keep everyone. You know they've got some guys on massive salaries. They made some redundancies. Um, you know, they've got to. I guess they've got to try and balance balance things out a little bit, and they can perhaps get a bigger fee for for Martinez than than uh, I forget the the name of the who's who's the the number one they have there. Um, but I think my my issue with Villa goalkeepers is that I mean I, I grew up um, started watching Villa in the in the late eighties, and we had Nigel Spink. You know, and he handed over the reins to Bosnich, and then we had David James, Peter Schmeichel. So within sort of fifteen years or so of following Villa, we had four or five proper number one goalkeepers. You know, and in the last, I mean, really, I suppose since Guzan left, I mean, how many goalkeepers have we had through the door? It's been a real problem position for us. Um, 
and I almost groan every time we're linked with a goalkeeper because <laughs> I think I just want a goal. You know, you, you want a goalkeeper to come in and play consistently for three or four seasons at least. You know, and they are the the backbone of your team, and you know they they marshal the defence and they're you know reliable and consistent. Um, and I had hoped that Tom Heaton might do that for us. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we you know. You know, both these guys that were linked with Romero and Martinez are, you know, very, very highly rated and they're at big football clubs. And are they both Argentinian as well? Are they both in the Argentina squad? Um, I know Romero's Argentinian. Um, I don't know a bit. Yeah, I think I think Martinez is Argentinian as well. I don't know if Martinez is, has been called up or had a call up yet. Um no, I don't believe he has. I think he, the highest level he's represented is under twenties. Um, but you know, with the form he's been in and, and with a potential Villa move, he could break into that squad. Uh, Romero was the number one when they were in the World Cup final, but I believe uh, I can't remember his first name. It's it's very close to Geronimo uh, Ruli. <laughs> uh, he's just had a transfer. He's their current number one. Um, but no, I, I I think you know that's. You said like having uh, a goalkeeper for a prolonged period of time as the number one. I thought very much like you that that's what we were getting with Heaton. Um, but you know, with his last couple of seasons at Burnley and last season at Villa, he's he's getting injured an awful lot. And I think you know a lot of people and like yourself did groan when we were linked for keepers again. But it is, a, I think, it is a position that we perhaps need to invest in. You know. F- to get to get a Romero at 32 33 to get a Martinez at 28 you know they've still got you know Mart- Mart- Martinez has probably got pff, 7 years left in him as a top flight goalkeeper perhaps and uh, um Romero probably maybe like 3 or 4 you know especially if if injuries happen you know I'm happy with either of them um now, for those who have missed it, Villa's opening game against Sheffield United has been moved to Monday, September the 21st. So it's it's going to be a little bit longer for Villa fans to have to wait to see Villa in action again. Um, and it's, it's going to be a little bit strange watching the Premier League kick off this weekend while Villa has to wait a while to get things underway. Um, in, in a short as possible which game are you two looking forward to watching the most this weekend as the Premier League returns? I'll, I'll go with you first, Andy. Well, I was having a little look through earlier and, you know, it is a strange situation that, you know, we've got a a Premier League, you know, we're, we're just days away from the Premier League and Villa aren't playing. Um, there's no fans at games either. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? Middle of September. Um but I was just looking through, and I suppose the Liverpool v Leeds uh, game stands out. Um, I have no love for either club. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'll be good to see how, how Liverpool sort of start this season after the obvious, you know, obviously the high of winning the league last season, the Champions League the year before, see if they hit the ground running. Um, and it would be absolutely brilliant to see them spank Leeds. Um, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to that one. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Andy. That that's the same exact game that I'm picking. I'm you know I'm gonna be watching the whole day, so I'll, I'll be I'll be at home watching all the games and trying to trying to get some work done myself. But 
I wanted, I'm curious to see how Leeds handles going up against the champion of the league on the first day of the season. Um, they could get signings from, from now we're recording this to then. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm very curious to see how that, how that whole game goes down. But yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm hoping that Liverpool drops a good old four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten nil thrashing of Leeds and you can, they can, they can start the uh, season off with a big reality check. Ten would be beautiful. <laughs> I would love it, mate. You don't understand, like, because it, it's so strange. Because now all the Leeds supporters that I didn't know were Leeds supporters in my neck of the woods, they're starting to come yeah. out of the woodwork and they're starting to talk big a little yeah. bit. And I, I was like, where, where were you when when we were in the championship together? All of a sudden, your Premier League, you want to crawl out of the crawl out of the sewage <laughs> system over here in America. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens, but I'm 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 pretty certain it's going to be a long, long season for Leeds United. For me, I think. I think probably the, the the last game of the weekend on the Monday, and that's the Brighton against Chelsea. I think you know Chelsea have made some exceptional signings, and I'm I'm very excited to see some of them play. Um, and I do think they'll be challenging this year. You know, if if the signings gel, they're they're easily going to be challenging for the title. And I think it's going to be a three horse race this season between Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, and City. And on that note. Um, it brings us to our final question of the podcast, which is, what is one non-Villa signing you've been impressed with through the window and why? Um, and I'll go with mine first, and that, that's Kai Havertz for, for for Chelsea. You know, Kai Havertz is is a player that I've, I've been watching for the last couple of seasons, and he's, he's an exceptional kind of forward player. Uh, it does beg the question of how, you know, Chelsea are going to fit the likes of... Ziek and Havertz and and Pulisic and and all of these kind of attacking midfield players into into a matchday squad. You know they've still got Barkley on the books, Loftus Cheek and all those kind of players, and Mount as well. Um, but yeah, Havertz is definitely one for me to look out for. What about you, Mark? I'm going with James Rodriguez, man. This seems like such a football manager signing that I, I can't, I actually can't stop thinking about it. Carlo Ancelotti's got some things going on there at Everton. He's obviously not messing about. So I don't know. This just seems like for, for his, Weird as the year as 2020 has been. I mean, think three years ago. Did you ever think James Rodriguez was going to come to Everton? No. It's, no. it's just such a crazy, a crazy thing. It's so nuts. Yeah. Andy, who you got? It's a proper coup, isn't it, for, for Everton? You know, it's a, you know. And it, it, when when they were linked with, with James, you know, I, I kind of, it, it kind of signaled to me just how far we are behind some of those mid-table clubs, really, you know. Um you know that they can go and attract a player, a player like that, and they can pay him um, what his what his market rate is. Um, it's uh, it's it's a really, I mean, you know, we'll see, we'll see how he does, but yeah, it's a very exciting signing for them. Who's your uh, pick of the summer so far? Um, I mean, it has been pretty quiet, hasn't it? Um, I mean, I I I was thinking about this earlier, and I think. Um, I'm gonna go. I, lo- I love a big name. I love a big name coming to the Premier League, and obviously Hammers is one. But Thiago Silva at uh, Chelsea. I know he's he's getting on a bit now. He's was he 35, 36, but you know he's the Brazil captain. I don't know if he still is, but he was certainly was the Brazil captain. He's 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 a he's a big name uh, player. You know he's a stellar sort of signing, isn't he? And there's a little bit of me sort of. Hoping to see a some of see a bit of a Rick as well in him, you know, a bit of a bit of a mistake, a bit like Doug, David Luiz at, uh, at Arsenal. 
and Chelsea previously, you know. So it's a bit of a, there's a slight kind of hope that he entertains us in that respect as well. But I just like to see big name players in the Premier League and, you know, and I mean, the, the business Chelsea have done, you know, this summer has, has, has been incredible to watch really. Um, it's, it just reminds me of, of Abramovich's first summer at Chelsea, um, you know, where they just seemed to sign everyone and money was no object and, and that feels how it is this year and they've got some very exciting players coming in. But yeah, I'm going to go with Silver. It's a decent pick and I think that is the best place to end this episode of the podcast. We've been talking for over an hour now. As always, if you enjoy it, please do give us a review or uh, a like or a retweet or whatever. Just just please do support our podcast. You know, it's it's not our main form of content. Obviously, we're, we're very much written-based, but if you do enjoy our podcast, please do let us know. You can follow us on Twitter at VillaLamp, on Facebook, forward slash under a gaslit lamp, and on Instagram, at under a gaslit lamp. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa. Up the villa.